chance tasted tears made a promise one to keep. I can still recite it in my sleep every time a birthday comes. Call your friend and sing a song and whisper it into his ears. Or write it down, just don't miss it. Greetings and welcome to Inside Baseball with Old Chestnut. I'm Liam Allen with Morris Sachs. It's good to have you back, pal. It's good to be back. It's good to be back. Hey, um, did you have a, how'd that marketing event last weekend go? Uh, 3,000 3, people. Um, not a wow. single person recognized me. <laughs> wow. So was that at the that Waverly Park in yes, New Canaan? Yes, it was. Yep. The yeah. compound. It's that... enormous. Yeah. Yeah, that's the one where the guy chopped up his wife and they never found the body. No, wow, yeah, that I had no idea. N- now listen to me, that place is enormous. The compound, no kidding. Yeah, wow. the do- yep, do- I know do- Kevin. Doulos? Okay. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, so pro tip: if you're looking to commit murder, Jeez. Fairfield County, Connecticut. Uh, right, uh, <laughs> they had the Moxley murder. I know, yeah, down in Bellhaven, which went, mm-hmm. you know, unsolved. Yep. Of course, I, I, I guess I don't know, solved I, or not, but yeah, 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 and, yeah, and, exactly. And solved this, or and not. And this one, they got they got pictures of the husband with his girlfriend. I know, uh, cleaning in the Italian, car. What do they call that? A guma. Guma. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So he um, ended up. Killing himself. I know. Justice I, yeah. could be served. So. You know, he should have anyway. just followed the, the MB Sachs rules. And number one, he should have, you know, if he couldn't get divorced, he should have just done that amicably and we could have avoided all of this horror. Um, but instead, you yeah. know, he didn't follow the rules. So, yeah. no, that's, uh, that's what happens. You know, before I forget, There's... let me ask you a question. Let me ask you a question before you got, because you mentioned the Italians. Um, I want to talk about Johnny Musso and Charlie D. Okay, because oh, I did a little. Okay, because okay, like I, I know we just danced right over that, but you, like when I asked you how you were okay in the pit, and you mentioned right. that you had two guys that kind of washed over you, and you casually mentioned Charlie D and Johnny Musso. Okay, I didn't know who Johnny Musso was until I went on Wikipedia. So yeah, he's a Heisman Trophy winning Alabama yeah. football stud. Correct. Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. So this isn't yeah. just like Charlie from Chicago. This is Charlie no. Musso, the football legend that went and went went into the pit. Okay. Yeah. Go, uh, so you tell this. You, you give well, me a little background no, I, on I, that. I don't. I don't know what kind of background you want. I keep telling you, I've had an unusual life, and it just Jeez. every time you turn around, I know. It's Dude, just, you also uh, mentioned Tom Baldwin. So, like, you know how I, whenever we yeah. have dinner, I go home from dinner, okay? And in the limo <laughs> ride home, I go through Morris's stories, and I, I date and fact check it. And then I read everything I can about these individuals. So if you listen yeah. closely on the show last night, there was three names that you could have gone and Googled. There was Tom Baldwin. Okay, no problem. I go on Tom Baldwin. Not hard. Legendary, like, legendary yeah, right. bond yeah. investor. Yeah. Owns the yeah. biggest mansion in, in the country up on the Upper Peninsula of Michigan or whatever. Legendary guy. So Morris is casually selling Tom Baldwin bonds, okay? And then his two bodyguards are Johnny Musso, <laughs> who I jokingly said was a made guy. You know, that's obviously discrimination, it, Italian stereotype. Yeah, nicknamed the Italian Stallion. Exactly. They thought they they thought he and I were brothers because we looked Get very much alike. Get the fuck out of here! Are oh, you kidding me? No, I'm me? serious. No, dude, it's it's an amazing life that I have led. I it's just I keep saying <laughs> everyone who thinks 
they lived the previous life, thinks they're someone famous. Yeah. I operate under the notion that um, everyone leads a life like me. So, for instance, <laughs> we had dinner last night with a couple, a friend mm -hmm. of Cheryl's. The woman worked and mentored Sotomayor. Come on. Uh, yes. <laughs> no. Okay. Decent. Mentored I mean, Sotomayor. <laughs> no, okay. I mean, her words, <laughs> not mine. Um, yeah, oh, my God. I mean, well, well, so for instance, and let's not mention the person's name. Sure. But a guy who is a friend of mine, world famous mm -hmm, mm -hmm. personality, mm -hmm. his father passed away. Mm -hmm. I sent him a note, right? And mm -hmm. it comes back, you know, my dear friend Morris, thank you for, you know, it's just. Dude, thank you for bringing that up because I want, I was not, I wanted to bring it up to point out. We take a lot of shots at a lot of people and we are ruthless and we have done it for a long time. Okay. And this is somebody that we've, we've poked fun at. Morris sends him a note yeah. about his father passing instantaneously. The guy writes back a note. Okay. So that just shows you number one, how classy MB is. And number two, oh, the, he's you. not kidding. Like he can take, he can, no. this is for real. Okay. So like back to, but like back to Johnny Musso and Charlie D. Cause I don't like Charlie D like I've watched the video. So I understand a small, yeah, I have a small window into his, into his, I don't know what's the word, like his gravitas or like his magnitude, yeah. but this was yeah. your boy in the pit. So like, he's, I, well, I can't, I, he wasn't my boy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I, I, I understand. I, mean, I understand. Was, you know, but as I said, he and, uh, Johnny Muso and another fellow, yep. uh, whose name I don't want to use yep. because I don't have permission. Understood. But, you know, I'd said my father had died. Yeah, not long before that, and and they just it just felt like they were a little bit uh, of somebody of like a rock. For of me course, to lean on. an older big and, brother, uh, a fraternal bond, yeah, amazing, some, something, something like Jesus. that. So I've been, I've been, been, uh, I've been very fortunate that way. So we're having dinner last night. Mm -hmm. Do you, you want to keep talking to, to, about no, the no. pit? I, I mean, I could talk about the pit for hours. We didn't even talk about my first two weeks in the grain room. No, tell me. About, let's, let's, I want to hear about dinner last night because I want to know, did you tell him you do the show? <laughs> I, this is exactly what I'm getting to. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's funny. Just so everyone knows, we do this just like Saturday Night Live. We do a full dress rehearsal. Then the writers go downstairs <laughs> They see what was funny, what wasn't funny, and then we come back and we do a, the second mm -hmm. full mm -hmm. version. Okay, just a little behind the scenes, right? Mm -hmm. So we go to dinner last night with this couple. They're both lawyers. Yep. And, um, you know, they know what they're talking about. I don't need mm -hmm. to try and spin sure. a yarn about how important they are, that kind of thing. So uh, I had mentioned to the fellow because I hadn't seen him about six months. And he says, so what have you been doing? I said, well, I'm still doing the podcast thing. And he goes, you know, I, I've been meaning to listen to that. And I said, I, so-and-so, I, I don't really think it's for you. And he said, well, why, why, do you, why do you say that? And he said, well, look, I, I'm like from the old school trading. There's a lot of vulgarity. There's a lot of rude comments. And he says, well, give me an example. And I said, um, I said, well, last, not last week, but two weeks ago, I called Kathy Wood a sociopath. And uh, he looked at me and he said, you know, she could sue you for libel. And I, and I said, really? He said, he said, yeah. I said, well, I, frankly, it'd be great for our ratings. <laughs> No kidding. Don't tell he anybody. Said, he said, well, the truth of the matter is she would never do it. So you don't need to worry. And I said, well, why is that? She says, well, the pretrial discovery would be so onerous for her. Yeah. She'd have to go and get a medical exam. And, and by the way, um, I looked up the word sociopath mm -hmm. just because mm -hmm. you know how We're, I like to use yep. the right word. And, of course. Okay. Yeah. So. This is off of uh, Google. I typed in sociopath, meaning this is the number one answer. People who have been diagnosed with antisocial personality disorder are sometimes called sociopaths. They engage in behaviors that typically harm others, 
for the benefit of themselves. Check. A, a sociopath has a little regard for other people's emotions, rights, or experiences. So I think yeah, I'm just check, speaking yeah. the truth. Let's go to court. I had made a note. <laughs> yeah. See you in the Southern District. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 20 minutes to Wapner. Um, so uh, um, I had made notes earlier in the week. So we know that Kathy's performance is exactly as we have predicted many, many times. Yep. Yep. Over the, mm-hmm. the source of uh, the course of the months. series. <laughs> and I saw she was up to her old tricks. Mm. Um, this reporter feels a responsibility being a card carrying, carrying member of the fourth estate mm-hmm. to keep an eye on things. Mm-hmm. And she's up to her old tricks again. She started buying huge blocks of a very small cab biotech company mm-hmm. and then um, puts it out in public that she's Pumping buying it. it. Now, yep. now, some might call that a pump and dump scheme. I, some. Some <laughs> may. There, there's so many, um, though, so many different yeah. variations of it now. Yeah. Um, but so I guess I have to be careful because, you know, I have a lot of respect for this man. Yep. And, um, you know, calling Bobo, Bobo, and mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. and uh, DJ DeSal, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and and um, I heard his um, job's the, on the line. Oh, is one of our regular listeners has said he's dead man walking. Wow! Yeah. Wow! Oh, you Breaking can't have. News. Like, I didn't. You didn't. I didn't know. Oh, good. Good to know. Good to know. You can't. You can't have three reorgs. No, in three years and no. keep that job. Cannot. And by the way, that's a serious that job. Name, that name came up at dinner last night. Look at me. This this lawyer had been doing business with Goldman Sachs mm-hmm. as long as I had, mm-hmm. and he talked about how the guys that used to run the firm, John Weinberg, um, uh, Bob Rubin. They were they were class acts, yes. and I said, you know, it's an interesting situation because when Lloyd Blankfein took over, that in my mind was where they went from long term greedy, which was their phrase, to pay me right fucking now. Wow, yeah, yeah. And uh, the guy looked at me a little funny. I said, you know, uh, it occurs to me. So John Weinberg leaves Goldman Sachs, and he becomes like an ambassador. Mm-hmm. To something, something sure. like that, right? Yep, yep. Bob Rubin leaves to become Secretary of the Treasury. Mm-hmm. Um, Lloyd Blankfein leaves mm-hmm. to become a commenter on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> what are you doing, Lloyd? <laughs> he said he's trading so, some forex. <laughs> so uh, I got a little bone to pick with our audience. There um, we go. So, Thirteen minutes well, in. <laughs> Yeah, well, let's um, go. I like it. <laughs> so, so um, w- one of the things I may mention when mm-hmm. I got back from mm-hmm. my trip to Israel, which I'm going to tell you about. Thank in you. A minute. Good. There was a stack of memos on my desk this high from mm-hmm. legal and compliance. Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. And they're going back and forth because last week I said, Uncle Mark is not my uncle, he's <laughs> my brother. And all of a sudden, all hell broke loose because you know we're representing him as my uncle. He's not my uncle. So, so I, I had hoped I had hoped that um, you would have handled that in my absence. What I did see you vetoed was their request to have a Department of Diversity. <laughs> Absolutely not. <laughs> There's just no money in it's the not, budget no, for that. No, okay. No. So so anyway, I I was gone last week. I went mm-hmm. to, to Israel and I had mm-hmm. a you know, part business, part pleasure. Sure. So the, the the business part is as I mentioned many times on the show, and as you know, <clears throat> I'm one of the seven Jews that run the world. And Does Kanye I, said, did Kanye send you anything while you were away? <laughs> He and I aren't on speaking terms anymore. Okay, go on. Okay, all right, go on. So um, I'm 62, mm. which uh, means I'm, you know, because of my age, I have to leave the committee. So this was my last confab okay. with the six other mm-hmm. members. Elders. Um, the good news, back news is, uh, the good news is my brother Mark will take my place, as is tradition. <laughs> 
but the bad news is is since neither he or I have fathered a masculine child, ah, yes, our bloodline leaves the ruling yes. class. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, it's what about your adopted Irish son? <laughs> it's a bit. It's bittersweet. It's you know we've we've done the background <laughs> check and unfortunately, like Tom Higgins, there's not there's not a pinch. There's more Ashkenazi Jew in Big Ed <laughs> than there is in you. <laughs> Under, understood. But um, so we had that meeting. And it went very well. And while I was there, I realized, you know, every year to be on this committee, you have to keep up your CPE. Mm-hmm. It's continuing professional education. Okay. And they politely told me, you know, I had two two credit hours I needed to finish up. So I took two classes while I was there. One was uh, Mahmoud Abbas on Holocaust. Fiction or fiction? (laughs) Jesus. Okay. And the other one was modeled after the British baking show. It's like British Bake Off. Yeah. Yeah. Stop, 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 stop. I don't don't, stop. Stop. Not today. (laughs) No, too far, too much, too soon. Jeez. This is about as dark as the 530 email I got. (laughs) Morris was was on Israel time. He texted me. 4 30 in the morning i didn't wake you did i <laughs> I've, I've been so jet lagged i've been pacing since 5 a.m jeez I, i've got so much to talk about it takes me at 4 45 in the morning i didn't wake you I, I said no mb the stress and anxiety wakes me up before sunrise uh, every day uh, well anyway, all right well let's hear uh, the joke so the the british baking show let's go <laughs> yeah and and the topic was how to cook with small gentile children <laughs> jesus <laughs> Good. Not cook with them, right? Right. Yes, but understood. Cook with them. <laughs> uh, uh, can we yeah, go back anti- to the grain pit, please? Save us. <laughs> Give um, me a commercial. <laughs> you want to? You're looking for a break, huh? I thought you were um, picking fights with the listeners. Who are we picking fights with the listeners? <laughs> well, just because, um, oh, oh, Uncle Mark or Mark mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and Robbie Wall mm-hmm, did a okay. ton of Dana mining, and and. Robbie Wall, okay, pinned the low on the S&P to the day. Okay, that's where Old Chestnut, remember, if you recall, I discussed putting two orders in, one with a limit, and then Leslie shamed me into putting in a market order. Yep, putting a condom on it. So since then, depending on, yeah, yeah, put a condom on it. Um, (laughs) Since then... It, it's up 11 percent it's amazing i know so, i know so i i mean how about well done how about thanks <laughs> i didn't want to tip. say it <laughs> how about how about uh, dude it was crickets in the it, crickets in the it, fucking comments on the website that's your crickets. You know, dude it was killing me not to be on twitter every day being like to, to post my charts and everything to see where we are i and yeah you took then, a terrible and, week to take off i would have yeah, i would have done the yeah. show from israel <laughs> crowing yeah. and then friday so, it's up two point two and a half percent yeah so the good news is there was one listener ian fanshell who yes. commented you He's know, very good. you going, yep. you going to 80% risk told me, okay. And mm-hmm. I ended up getting to about 90%. So yep. thank you, Ethan, for recognizing we walk the walk here. And, um, uh, which reminds me, I had mentioned to you being 62, I'm getting kicked off that committee. I saw on Twitter that cesspool you've sucked me back into. I was going to say, Dave, Dave Rosenberg is now 62. <laughs> and who? I, I mean, it's two things with him. One is, I, <laughs> I, I mean, if he's 62, I, I got old 62. It's an old 60. Yeah. <laughs> That's number one. Number two, somebody better tell him the yellow power tie <laughs> was last seen on Gordon Gecko in the original <laughs> Wall Street. Okay. <laughs> So that's uh, that's yep. the Dave Rosenberg thing. Um, on our website, I posted one of uh, Anthony Peters' daily yep. musings, mm-hmm. which I thought was pretty good. He wrote another piece uh, for another magazine that he may be doing about Russia, which I thought was really well done. Uh, but I'd already posted this first piece, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. 
So, uh, and if anyone wants to get on that email list, because he's another one that he can't take a day off when he takes days off. Yeah. It's an an empty morning without him. Um, we, we have to be careful because he actually does have legal concerns. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm, I mean, not, not, irrationally they they, Mm -hmm. it's just very different there Mm -hmm. um maybe it's the same and he cares and i don't Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. you know i I, they they dropped me on my head when i was a child so no one's ever (laughs) (laughs) taken what i have seriously but uh you know i would invite you to um to go check out that letter because he's got a very nice way of writing about things no, he really um, does, dude. Every morning, and the best thing is that I get it every morning. It's the first thing I read. It's just like a comprehensive view from a, a great perspective. So I want to thank you, Anthony, yeah. for that. And stop taking days off. Keep writing. The uh, another thing I saw, which was pretty good. So um, part of the DJ D Sal, mm-hmm. uh, uh, what's the word? Debacle. Mm-hmm. Um, is you know they tried to do this whole we're going to be a bank for everybody. Mm-hmm. And they uh, they opened up this thing called Marcus. Disgraced which, his name. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So I saw that their high yield product for investors, they've just raised to two and a half percent from two thirty five. <laughs> so they the Fed has tightened three hundred and seventy five basis points, and they bumped their rate by. 15 basis 15 points. 15 points, yeah. So, chapeau. <laughs> All right. right. That'll do it, yeah. That'll, that'll do it. Keep spinning them, DJ. Way to go, <laughs> champ. Um, Dude, that's uh, interesting that, 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 your, that your dinner, that your fellow dinner companion shared that view of the crumbling of the facade of Goldman. Well, he, he attributed it to the going public. Interesting. They have oh, been a wow. Partnership. Yep. Yep. And, mm-hmm. and I'll tell you, you said I that. Saw, I saw that a similar dynamic at Greenwich Capital. We were, you know, a quasi partnership in approach, not in legal structure, but, you know, the way we all got paid, it was, mm-hmm. you know, one for one, one for all kind of thing. And when we got bought by the Royal Bank of Scotland, uh, the fucking wheels came off. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's when you know the place blew up, and uh, Old Chestnut headed for what he thought were greener pastures. Um, <laughs> you know, yeah, the grass is always a, greener. It's tough not being a primary dealer, though. You know. <laughs> well, that's yeah, exactly. All of a sudden, I didn't have that paycheck coming in. Um, uh, E.G. mentioned to me that uh, last month the. The CPI in Italy rose four percent in a month. Wow! I didn't verify that, but uh, boots on the ground indicate that the Bobo's wedding was so expensive he single-handedly pushed up the PPI <laughs> or CPI there. Um, Dude, he had Lady yeah. Gaga. <laughs> Lady Gaga, your wedding. dude. There's like so much wrong with that, bro. Like it's your wedding. Like how about be? How about it's about your wife and you're gonna bring in Lady Gaga, dude? That's a that, I'm, I don't want to say anything. That indicates to me that you, number one, your wife should have put the kai. Any any real woman would have put a kai bash that immediately and said, "Absolutely not!" But you have a gaga. This is my day, Bobo. Yeah, okay? it's, exactly, exactly. It's my day. It's you know, not gaga, Lady yeah. Gaga's day. It's embarrassing. But, it's embarrassing. but, but yeah. can't buy class. So, yeah, but uh, going back to picking on people. So Robbie Wall, uh, working with Uncle Mark communicate to old chestnut that you know you want to buy the market around these days i think we talked about it on the show okay and then our friend up north mr kevin muir Mm -hmm. puts out a piece not a couple of days later talking about seasonality and how you want to buy the market on halloween (laughs) and um, there's there's a little bit i don't know if you heard this in the writer's room but there was some chuckling going on because <laughs> apparently um, the writers wanted to do a segment how Robbie had the date right, which was the 13th. Kevin had dyslexia he was and somehow reading. came up with 31st. <laughs> right. When you're reading over the guy's shoulder, you, 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 know, you got to take yeah. a quick glance and get the numbers right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So you can pay 300 bucks a year and get the numbers transposed. 
or you can come here and listen to my shitty jokes for free. <laughs> you decide. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's uh, so is, Israel was a very interesting experience. Okay, I, I, you, it's you the second time that. I've been there. So you, did you really have business there? Seriously, you going on business, or was that strictly no, zero? No. Okay. That was okay. that was strictly okay. humor. Okay. And by the way, you, by I the way, you. <laughs> from, from what I can tell, there is no committee of seven Jews. Okay. Um, I mean, if they were, there'd be so German, much inf- infighting. <laughs> there'd be German Jews, and I'm a Lithuanian Jew, and they wouldn't invite me. Right. Okay. But um, no, it was it was purely a trip with our friends Turgut and Rebecca. Awesome. Rebecca just recently lost her mother, um, 90 years old, mm-hmm. lovely lady, but she's sad. And, yep, and yep. so it was nice for the four of us who've known each other for 30 years to take a trip. And mm-hmm. uh, they had never been. Cheryl's been there a few times. This was my second trip. Nice. And you know what What a good traveler I am. Oh, yeah. So the, first, yep. the first day and a half, I was... What did you do? Back up. You went JFK, JFK direct to Tel Aviv. Is that how it works? Uh, yeah. Or, or, or yeah, yeah. You flew. Yeah. Oh, we went. Uh, we flew out of Newark. Okay, so Newark, Newark to Tel Aviv. Okay, yeah. yeah what is that? Eleven or twelve hours? That's got to be it's fun for you. Ten, ten there, twelve back. That I, I love that actually. Really? People. Oh yeah, because nobody can bother me. Yeah, yeah. There's yeah, no okay. phone. There's you know, it's like headphones. It's fucking yep, awesome. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and to steal a joke from. One of the comedians I like, Gary Goldman. The first movie I watched was Schindler's List, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> no. Um, uh, so uh, let me hit a couple of points I yeah. think yeah. Are, are, are interesting. I've, so it's my second trip there. And uh, the first time I was there, one of the days I had the guy take me on a little, I call it a little political tour. Mm-hmm. And he explained to me, uh, there's areas, area A, area B, area C. I think I told you about this, where like certain areas, there's signs that say, if you're Israeli and you enter this area, you know, your life is in danger kind of thing. And, wow, yeah. And so I, I didn't get to take Turgut down and show him that. But we did drive from Jerusalem to Bethlehem. Okay. Now, you probably are aware Bethlehem is where the Jewish kid was born. In the manger. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah the yeah. manger. Okay. Okay. So we have a driver and we cross the checkpoint into Bethlehem, which is Palestinian controlled. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so we, we drive through the checkpoint, no stop and no nothing. Right. Yeah. And about, uh, half a mile, we pull over, and a nice young um, Palestinian kid jumps in the car, introduces yep. himself. He's going to be our local guide. Got it. Okay. So uh, he takes us through the whole thing. I'll get to the different spots in a minute. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But um, he starts talking about how the Palestinian government gets all this money. And they keep it and they're, they're buying themselves Mercedes and they're blowing the money on this mm-hmm. and that and all of the money for infrastructures mm-hmm. getting gobbled up by the, the political guys. And I'm thinking, well, that that's a little unusual to hear a Palestinian bitching about. OK, mm-hmm. so I make a little note to myself and. And then when we see all the sites, which is like three hours or whatever, we go back to the Israeli-controlled area. Now we're in a line that takes about 45 minutes going through a checkpoint because Mm -hmm. every car is examined because they Mm -hmm. safety, that that kind of thing. And so I meet our full-time guide, and I said, uh, I found it funny. First of all, the, the guide was excellent. I, I want you to know that, you know, in the future, you should feel very comfortable. Mm-hmm. He said, great, it's great feedback. I said, but what I found kind of curious was he complained a lot about the Palestinian government officials. And the, the, our guy, Grindy, said, he's not Palestinian. He's Christian. If he told people there he was Christian, they'd beat him up. 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah, Christian Palestinian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he's not. Yeah, he, he views himself as a Christian, of course. Yeah, not a Palestinian, but he yep. can't. Yeah, interesting. You know, he's yep. got. He's in the closet, so to speak. Yeah, yeah, understood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Wow. So uh, such a complicated so, mess, dude. It's like an unsolvable problem, right? I, like I, you, you know, know, I mean, like in my lifetime, it's been like like peace in the Middle East. Like I, I'm born in 1981. There's it's been going that, on for 200, 500. Pick a number. How many thousands of years they've been fighting over it? There's that uh, Gilbert Godfrey joke about you know the. I don't know it. He's the best though. Go ahead. <laughs> Let me. Why don't I just look it up? How about I just? How about we post it on the website? I'll put it on Twitter once we find I'll, it. I'll do it. I'll do it in sixty seconds. Or okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so yeah. guy finds a a bottle on the side of the road. He picks it up and uh, he opens it, and a genie pops out. And the genie's like. I've been in here for 500 years. I'll grant you a couple of wishes. Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, uh, guys like, okay, uh, I've been married for 30 years. My never, my wife's never given me. Uh, mm-hmm. Hold on. I fucked it up a little bit. He says, here's a map of the Middle East. Okay. Okay. Um, there's never been peace. I'd like can you create peace in the Middle East? And the genie says, listen, it's for 500 years. They've never found a solution. That's just not possible. Okay. Ask me another another thing. And, he, and he starts to go on about how his wife has never been willing to pleasure him morally. Could the genie help him with that? And the genie says, maybe you better let me have another look at that map. <laughs> <laughs> the map seriously fighting over a little piece of sand in the desert Jeez. you know I, uh, I i look i have very very strong opinions about that situation and I'm i sure. don't think i don't think it's really appropriate for me no to, uh, i'll just acknowledge I'm, we're not solving know, it here yeah, yeah yeah no we're not but uh what i would say very strongly okay unless you have set foot in that area okay Morris's opinion. If you haven't physically been there, okay, you don't have a right to comment on the situation. I couldn't agree more. It is the most gerrymandering kind of, you know, this thing where they change zones for like voting. Imagine, yeah, it's it's the most convoluted geographical situation. They basically took a bunch of bingo chips. Amazing. Shook them up and then put it on a Scrabble board. I cannot and, imagine fighting to live in. Like, I first of all, I can't picture like, like, like I, I can't picture it. Like, you yeah, know, it's it's. it's but like forget. you said, if you, unless you have been there and talked to locals, like you can't sit in in Washington D.C. and be like, okay, they can have this, they can have that. You know, yeah, it's 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 crazy. It's all too right, bad, so but... so it's so, so that's it, on it, your it, first trip. Like that's on your first trip. You had the awesome guide. Yes, yep. right. This trip. Um, the main, the main guide was not a historian. He was an archeologist. Awesome. Okay. Awesome. So that, that's a very poignant thing to me because I never really thought about it. You read these history books, right? And as our friends, Will and Ariel Durant like to say, history is nothing more than a couple of loosely constructed facts with a lot of opinion, right? And the archaeologist basically showed us in several instances how physical evidence doesn't match up with the story. Of course. So my understanding vaguely is uh, Jesus' mother Mary was going from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, and that's where she had the baby. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm trying to say this cogently oh, right. and, totally. and without offending anybody. No, please okay. go ahead. Okay. Go ahead. And then the notion was they didn't have a place to stay, so they stayed in the manger. No in room the manger. at the inn. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, as the archaeologist said, and once again, I I don't want this yep. to be offensive i'm trying yeah. to just communicate something that yes. seemed to make sense to me at the, yeah, time. Yeah. the guy said 
at that time, the the only reason a pregnant woman would go from Jerusalem to Bethlehem was to stay with family. Okay, that's number one. Mm-hmm. So the notion that they mm-hmm. went to an inn, mm-hmm. it right, just right. that wasn't yeah, how it inn, was done back then. <laughs> right. Okay. The thing about the manger is these people lived in caves. Okay. Yeah. And yeah. And at night, this guy's just ruining they, my Christmas. They, they they took their animals yeah. and brought them in for the night mm-hmm. so people didn't steal them or coyotes or whatever mm-hmm. and so you got all the people mm-hmm. and it so like this little nativity scene was a you know this cramped up thing and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. you know how many what is this year 2022 yep. Yep. so 2022 years ago mm-hmm. you know they went from Portchester to Stanford, they stayed with the, some friends, and you know the they had a, some dogs in the house. Yeah, and, uh, totally. And, and 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 by the way, once again, just trying to put it in modern era. But I will tell you that you know it was a really um, interesting. Uh, I, I, that's a, not a great word, but so. These places are mobbed with people who wanted to see these things for their whole life, right? And I'm just sort of caught up as just a casual observer. But to just be in this place that is so highly revered was really, it gave me a great feeling. Of, I'm sure, of, yeah. Of and it's not my religion, right? It's got yeah, nothing course, to do with it. But yeah. but to see people experiencing the joy of the birthplace of their religion, mm-hmm. I guess I would put it yeah. that way. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I and I thought that was a, a wonderful experience. I'm sure. Um, yeah. Uh, and you know the fact that we got to cut the line because, like, to to get down in the cave, platinum membership. It's like, it's like three hours. I'm sure, dude. Yeah, and, and they they stand and wait three hours. I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, uh, the I'd like first to get his trip, thoughts. Yeah, go ahead. No, 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 no. no I was going to be a clown. Go okay. ahead. Tell me about the first trip. The, the first trip, I went and saw where uh, Jesus was crucified, and the stone where they laid his body, mm-hmm. and the cave where they put his body and then he mm-hmm. rose. Woke. Yeah. Woke. Okay. And then there's a hole near there that is apparently where the crucifix was, was put in. Come on. So, well, I, that's what the guy said. I don't know. I know. There's, I know. I know. There's a, so there's a line of people and they're all waiting in line to touch, put their finger yeah, yeah. in the hole to say, okay. So, I mean, I, I was there. I did that. And, I'm sure. You know, it's just like, look, did it happen? I, fuck, I don't know. Right, yeah. But, but I'm telling you, I'm surrounded by thousands of people who believe that it happened and it happened there. And you know what? It was an empowering experience. It's like, I'm sure. I, yep. I, for them, it's awesome. I'm so mm-hmm. pleased to have been able to see people have a religious experience, okay, and not have it go sideways on them, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so, um, plus I was glad seeing, as they say, the Jews killed them. There wasn't a picture of me up there with a, you know, a wanted <laughs> poster. Right, you're yeah. absolved. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. Um, no, but I, I, I think it was a very, uh, very productive trip. But this, this notion of the archaeologist versus a historian. Okay. Now let's bring it back to the markets because that's that's what people people pay us the big bucks for, right? Okay. So the historian to steal from the best, if you steal someone's research, it's plagiarism. If you steal a lot of people's research, it's called research. Right? <laughs> Who's who said that? <laughs> Anthony Peters. 
Um, oh, I mean, he said it. I don't know who he stole it <laughs> He's from. Totally but, right. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, now I lost my train of thought. The historian, the historian and the archaeologist. Oh, yes. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. so I see this concept about the archaeologist saying this can't have happened there because they didn't have this. Thank you. Yes. There. Like it was six miles to get water. They had donkeys going back and forth. Mm-hmm. You know, but well, therefore, this could not have been this way. Okay. The historian would say, well, they had water rolling and yada, He's yada, yada. And, yeah. and there's my book and pay me my advance. <laughs> okay. So, what does it bring me to, to the markets? Well, you got people who write research. One of them, who I'm not fond of, Dave Rosenberg, they, they talk, right? Then there's people like you and me who commit capital. So I view us as the archaeologists, the collective we, mm-hmm. and I view the other guys like the historians. Interesting. And um, so what I've tried to reconcile in my mind is, you know, how how do you make money? Like in the end. For me, and I suspect for you, money is a big motivator about why we do this. Okay. You're younger. You have financial responsibilities. My responsibilities are mostly older. But making money is the only way to prove it's proof of concept, mm-hmm. right? You can say all you want, but if you don't turn a profit, it's meaningless, right? Okay. So that's what I'm trying to sort of get my arms around when you read these research pieces from people and they don't have their own capital up. It, I don't think, I don't think it's as valid. I I just don't, I just don't think it's, yeah. And so like I have uh, a young man I'm very close to and uh, very, very bright hardworking. And um, around the time that old chestnut was getting blown out of his energy positions, this young man did his homework and he discovered that selling was the wrong thing and you should be buying. And, And I think he bought a lot and I think he's done very well with it. Right. And so I don't know the amounts or this or that. Mm-hmm. It's just very general because it's not mm-hmm. important. Um, but there was an article over the weekend by this John Maudlin guy saying, you know, now's the time to buy energy. And I sent it over to this this kid that I like. And I said, you know, I wonder, you know, maybe this is the high. Maybe this is the sell signal, you know. And he, once again, as always, sent me back incredibly detailed research explaining why he thinks the price of oil is going higher. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, if all I ever did was read this, I would be convinced he's right. And and mm-hmm. I suspect mm-hmm. he, I, I can give you reasons why oil may go down, but his approach, it's going up. But the reason I bring up the historian versus the archaeologist is for somebody like this young man who's looking at the market dynamic of the product, in this case, oil, I compare it to the way I like to look at things. Leslie would phrase it as pistachio nuts. So he'll look at something and to him, he looks at the price action and whatever the you know, information he's looking at, um, whatever security it is, he doesn't care at some level. All he's looking is where are there signs of weakness, where are there signs of support, you know, that sort of thing, right? So for me, when I look to do trades, I would say I'm a pistachio nut guy, meaning I stare at the Bloomberg all day. I'm looking at these price moves. 
I might get an idea, like if somebody smart is buying pistachio nuts, I'll go, well, well, let me take a look at the pistachio nuts. And if the forward price looks attractive or the vowel skew looks interesting or there's too little time decay or the shape of the curve looks wrong, where where I can create, I actually, I don't want to call it a bet because it trivializes what we do, but I look at it more as a speculation on, you know, you just find 20 of these. If you can be right on three or four mm-hmm. out of the 20, you're going to make a tremendous amount of money, right? And so when I got this young fellow's note, um, I thought I'd rather explain it this way uh, for two reasons. One is I'm lazy and I hate typing. But two, I, I think this is more instructive to people because I, I'd say the bulk of the money I've made has all, almost always been because it wasn't so much the underlying uh, fundamental. It was the dynamic of the trade. So I'll give you an example, real life example. And you know how, like, when I say things, you like to research them to figure out whether I'm telling you the truth? Okay. So everyone's talking about how, you know, they made a killing in the big short, the subprime Mm -hmm. crisis. Okay. Everyone got rich in the subprime crisis. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, it was so fucking obvious that this thing was going to blow up. You know, EG and I had a ton of the thing on. Not only that, I had it on. In my personal account. Yeah, didn't you? Yeah, I remember. And the reason I bring it up is because if you're diligent enough, you can research on Google because it was a default swap which yeah. kicked in. So the ISDAs acknowledge this. So it's a matter of public record. It, it doesn't say how much I made, and I'm not going to disclose what I made on it. But it was so absurdly obvious. Not because I knew anything about fucking housing. It's just, it was like, it cost you one if you lost, and it, you made a hundred if you won. And so EG and I would have these trades on, and it would be like, well, if the world blows up, our regular business is going to get hurt. So we need it. A hedge. This was before yeah. they called it the Black Swan event. Uh-huh. And so we would be looking at these default swaps and it would be like, I know housing's got nothing to do with trading five-year notes, at least at that moment in time, it didn't feel like it, but this is too fucking stupid. And it's just, we're making up an excuse to yeah, buy these yeah. things. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, and so now, you know, you got the uh, Michael Berry, Dr. Michael mm-hmm. Berry made mm-hmm. all this mm-hmm. money, and John Paulson, who hasn't mm-hmm. made a penny since, and, and all mm-hmm. those sorts of things. And uh, But there's different ways to trade, right? So you have to develop mm-hmm. the, the way that is important to you. So let's go back to the uh, call on the S&Ps, right? So his uh, youngest daughter would say, it's a trade. If it goes your way, it's portfolio. If it goes against your well, mm-hmm. so I'm up 11 percent on mm-hmm. my full boat on equities. Mm-hmm. So that's that's great. That's great. So, um, but I can't leave well enough alone. You know that <sighs> phrase I love: "A trader's yeah. got to trade." So <laughs> the first, <laughs> you get T-shirts of that for Christmas. <laughs> Along with but, the tinfoil hat in the bathroom. Let me know. Let me know, if people. People, set, hit me up on Twitter if you want. Traders got to trade T-shirts for for the holiday <laughs> season. All right, for Hanukkah and Christmas, and I'll get you Traders got to trade T-shirts. And and if we get a significant people that want them, I'll have them. Okay. <laughs> traders got to um, trade. So now you so, got to tinker. So now you're gonna tinker. Well, I'm I'm thinking about it. Okay. So, as I said, our arch enemy Kevin Muir actually put out a very nice piece talking about the seasonality. Mm-hmm. Apparently, November, October, November, uh, November is a very seasonally strong month for stocks. Okay. Okay. And so is December. Mm-hmm. So that's good. 
that's real, real good. Um, the problem is everything I read, uh, I mean, the Schiller P's back to 28. If you read Jim Grant's letter this week, you'd slit your wrists. Okay. Which I was going to say, he's, it's been a tough week. <laughs> um, so I, I, I think that, you know, if we get a, a rally here, if we get a significant rally between here and the end of the year, um, uh, I, I'm going to have a hard time hanging on to everything I bought. Uh, you know, I have a bunch of capital losses from all of my successful gold trading. Nice. <laughs> 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 which right. you know i, I like I to be tax say. efficient yeah uh, absolutely but i think i think for the next few weeks we got some room to run and then there was a big piece uh one of my friends sent me talking about how muni yields are gotten awfully high and so i'm i'm keeping my fingers crossed that if we get a nice equity rally and the interest rates come down a bit maybe i might break even this year which I would be very, yeah. I would be very proud of. Um, so, I had a I had a list of all the calendar events. Um, oh yeah, here we go. Here we go. This is November calendar. Quick calendar reminder. All right, November second, you got the Fed decision. All right, you're cool with that. Okay. Oh, November fourth, yeah. jobs report. November eighth, you got the midterms. Um, November tenth, yeah. you got CPI. December 2nd, you get another jobs report. December 13th, you get CPI. December 14th, you get another Fed decision. So you got an interesting eight weeks coming up. Um, you, you, you do. And you have a lot of bad news baked in the cake, right? If you dude, look at... Amazon got crushed. Meta got crushed. Those guys are like, on earnings. Crush, crush, crush. S&P up 2.5%. So yeah. one of the old-time things would be, you know, Respect a market that goes up on bad news. Right? Yeah, okay. I mean, that's pretty simple. If yeah. you get bad news and the market goes up, like they didn't sell as many iPhones as they were thinking, and Apple Rout, fucking boom. ripped. Ripped right? it. I know. Uh, I know. Uh, so I'm, I'm bullish because it got to my levels, and okay. I said I was going to buy it. Now yeah. that I buy, now that I buy it. You know, I, I, just, <laughs> I just, I just, I just can't stand being long. I don't know. It's like I get a fucking rash. I can't sleep. I don't know. I have no appetite. I'm losing weight. I, oh, and now you're going to mess uh, with it. <laughs> well, no, I, I'm, honestly, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving it be. Okay. Till at least Thanksgiving. And then, uh, well, that's, yeah, know, that's, that's fine. Three yeah, that's like, it's good. Yeah. That's yeah. three weeks. That's four okay. weeks, something like that. And, uh, okay. but, uh, I don't know. Take um, me back to the grain pit. I don't want to go out. Okay. I, dude, I love that. See okay. stuff. So, so the first two weeks of my, how old are you? Job, so you're how old? You're, you're what? 20, 21, 22, 20, 20, 20, 20 pick years a, old. Pick, pick a number. Yeah. 20, fine. Okay. Fine. You're a kid. So yeah. for whatever reason, the first two weeks, I couldn't go into the bond room, so yeah. they put me in the grain room. Okay. And I worked for maybe you know them. It's called Kelly Grain. <laughs> yeah, that's my cousins yeah. from yeah Woodlawn. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So um, I was taught how to be a runner there. I think maybe because it was a little slower than the bond room, so I could learn how. Okay. Interesting. So there was an old man named Jack Shack. Okay, and. I say he was an old man. He was probably 50. And that's good, yeah. right. Yeah. But yeah. He, he was old back when Understood. I was 20. Yep. So, you know, people, you know, he was old and shriveled. Of course. And he had like the monkey yeah. paw hands kind right. of thing. Okay. <laughs> so we'd get an order to buy or sell something. And um, he uh, would, now this guy's, five two nice yeah he, and Small, he's not standing yeah. he's not standing between johnny muso and uh, you know charlie d mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. so we go into the bean pit which is at this point as big as the bond pit there's like 300 people and we get like a back month order which is down in the center of the pit and i see this little guy 
just work his fucking way through the crowd like mm-hmm. like Walter Payton just yeah. dodging shit. And so I knew it was a market order, which meant fill it immediately at the next best available price. Okay. So Jack takes the order, he hands it to the broker, and he turns around and he starts to leave. And I'm thinking, it's a market order. We're going to get a fill. We're going to have to come back. And as Jack turns to leave, the broker says, hey, Jack. And he hands him the order. Filled. Yeah. Yeah. Business as usual. So we get out of the pit. And I said, Jack, tell me something. Why did you hand the broker the order and turn around and leave immediately? He said, if I stood there, the locals would know it was a market order and the broker wouldn't get as good a price. Wow. Just like so that. I I mean, I don't that was those one little of little games, yeah. Yeah, and, and so here I'm sixty two. We're talking about something that happened forty two years ago, right? Yeah. And yeah, and yeah. and so that book I read when I was like twelve, How to Buy Stocks by Lewis Engel. They would give you a simple example. There'd be a company Rod and Real Corporation. And they would say you would have an order to buy and your broker would go to the post where they traded Rod and Real. And instead of saying, I want to buy 500 shares of Rod and Real, the broker would say, how's real? You know, meaning what's the quote? And the locals would say it's 26 bit of 27. Okay. And then the broker would say, okay, I'll, I'll buy him from you at 27. Instead of just going in there and saying, where can I buy real? He wanted to get a two-way market, right? So these days, what bugs the shit out of me is every once in a while, I'll get a new clerk on the phone at these brokerage houses. And so I'll say, where is such and such? And they'll give me one number. And I'll be like, Okay, what's that? Well, that's the last price. I said, what the fuck? Oh, excuse me. I can't say that anymore. No, no, no. What? Politely, please, what good is that to me, dear? How about <laughs> you quote it to me and give me the, the bid and offer, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, is that anal retentive? <laughs> well, yes and no. No. It is because you, you're being precise. Mm-hmm. Is it anal retentive? No, because if you don't do it that way, you'll they'll fuck you. Get one you. price. Yep. Yeah. Wow. You, you get a yep. bit, you get a price which guaranteed is not in your favor. So you know it's these old school things that you, you know Leslie and I were talking about the advantages of spending time on the floor, right? And I can tell by your enthusiasm for it, you have sensed the excitement, enthusiasm last podcast i talked about like legging trades and being in the flow mm-hmm, and i mm-hmm. was talking about a surfer and i couldn't remember his name but his name is laird hamilton okay thought, yeah, to, yeah. Be, thought to be one of the greatest yeah, of athletes course. of all time yeah. right yeah and he he does this whole thing about being in the flow and i'll tell you something you know I, so we're you're going to eg's party Mm-hmm. Friday. Okay. Yep. You know, we could talk to EG about about the trading, about this, because EG was like world world level skier. Skier. Okay? Yeah, dude. Uh, and yep. um, uh, and I'm sure we, he and I never spoke about this specifically, but I'm sure with him with the skiing or me descending Bear Mountain, right? I I went and looked up brass balls mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. that. I know. 180 degree turn. Hairpin like, with gravel. Yep. Yeah. You you get in the flow in these things. And for guys like me or Leslie who worked on a floor, or guys like EG who spent a lot of time executing trades, you you pick up this innate feel for things. And so I think one of the things I said on the podcast a couple of weeks ago was it felt to me like I had everything where I wanted it. I don't 
I didn't go back and re-listen to it, but I got a sense because I generally, when things set up right, I get this sense of calm, which I don't get anywhere else. And and I had it then. And I haven't really thought about it because I've been away, but I, I I still feel it, right? And you just develop a sense for these things. And so I was talking to some guy about this and, uh, oh, one of uh, our cycling buddies, he's like a IBM artificial intelligence guy. He came over having a couple beers and I was talking about the state of flow because he does a lot of the AI. Mm-hmm. And he said, mm-hmm. apparently, after Einstein died, they dissected his brain. And they discovered that the left side and the right side of the brain was much more robust than is typical. Okay, The thought being that that bigger connection created this state of concentration. Okay. Of course, the first thing I think of is if the left and the right brain are so closely attached, he can whack off with either hand. Oh, please. <laughs> that's what you. That's the. That's the. Con- that's the conclusion you came up with. And, and, right. and that's. And that's. Imagine the possibilities. No, 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 no. Because no, because that, that's <laughs> no, incredible. Like, to have that. Tra- no, because to have that trading, like. You know, EG's a skier because you get it because, I, I mean, I, I've gotten it skiing. I used to spend a lot of time skiing alone. You know that. When I would go out yeah, and ski alone, yeah. and when you would just have those days where, like, you, you could ride the whole day without falling down and you just feel good. Your legs feel strong. Yeah. And, like, you could just do run after run after run. And when you're floating down that snow and, like, your brain just reacts and you don't have to think about it, everything. Like you said, like, all the great athletes say it slows down. Things slow down. Yeah. Yeah. But like once you get that feeling, because I mean, if I skied a hundred days in the winter, there'd be I, I might have a couple where you really got that great day. Yeah. Um, and there'd be shitty days where you couldn't get the flow, you couldn't get the line. It happens skiing, it happens on the bike all the time when you just feel good, where you feel like you're ahead of the gear, where like you don't need yeah. to shift up and you're making power. Um yeah. And like I've I've never felt that way in the market because I'm not sitting there trading, I'm investing. Um, so I don't have to. But to sit and like to have that feeling, um, like lock like they call it being locked in or dialed in. See, um, see, I, I, I want to make an observation. Um I think you're relatively new to the markets. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Within the last couple of years. Yeah, yeah. I mean Yeah, I didn't care about the market when I was thirty, yeah. 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 Okay. Yeah. Call it five, six, seven, eight years. Yeah. Okay. And we've been working together for a little bit before we started doing the podcast. Mm -hmm. Not a lot, but a little. So call it two and a half years. Yeah. You're you're developing it. I can tell by the questions you ask, both when we talk and the emails. Don't sell yourself short. You're going to get that flow. It's going to be a different flow than what a guy like E.G. or I or Peter McGarry or Leslie specifically, because he's very much into the the movement of the price action and the psychology. But uh, you're moving in that direction, and and it you don't get it and stay there. It's just like you're skiing, and of you, course. you know it's like I said two weeks ago. I, I felt really good. I think I said it on the air. I know I said it to you online. I just felt like I had everything where I wanted it. And I very rarely feel that way. But when I do, the hit rate's exceptionally high. And you'll discover with your portfolio, because you're looking at it, you're reading the news, you know, your subconscious is working on putting things together. And, um, I think you'll look back in five years and you'll be like, God, you know, I just, I'm starting to get how this thing falls into place a little bit. And uh, I'd keep at it. Yeah. I've had 90 hours of uh, public tutorial with you. This has been class. Um, I'm a a buyer of Liam Allen, man. (laughs) I appreciate that. Thank you. Yeah. And I got your t-shirt. It says my 
rich Jew friend went to Jerusalem. All he brought me back oh, was a shitty t-shirt. <laughs> gonna wash it. It's gonna fade off once. <laughs> I'll see you Friday night, pal. Unbelievable. I can't wait. Be All right, well. Thank you very much. Take care. All right.